Previously on Colors. 60 years ago, four little black girls were killed in a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we were at church, actually, when it happened. Uh, it was on a Sunday morning. Uh, we were not at that church. We were in Arkansas. I live in a little place called Monticello, Arkansas. Bedford Collins, longtime civil rights activist, now living in the Washington, D.C. area. And we were in church. And we had gotten there early, and some other people who had come to church a little after us uh, came and bought the news uh, to us of the uh, Birmingham bombing. So that's I was at church when it happened. When you heard it, how did you feel? Frightened. Coming up in this episode of Colors. So this is 38th and Chicago in Minneapolis, and this is where George Floyd died. We go to the place where George Floyd died and where the origin of this program was born. And while there, we speak with Pam Ortega, a young Mexican journalist. When George Floyd happened, my parents were... um, like, they told me about it first. My mom was like, did you see what happened? Like, ¿viste lo que le hicieron al pobre señor? Like, did you see what happened? Did you see what they did to him? She talks about how it changed her and them. When that video came out of George Floyd and what happened, I, I saw something different in them. I felt like, I was like, wow, my parents are, are woke now. And we observe the amazing way that 38th and Chicago has been transformed. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. I'm Brianna Rice. And I am from Cincinnati, Ohio, but I'm currently in Detroit, Michigan. My name is Jenny Gable. Um, I'm Cuban-American, um, but I'm from Southern Maryland um, near D.C. My name is Alexandra Coenyards. Uh, I'm originally from a small town in Belgium, but I've been living in the U.S. since I was 12. I am half Ethiopian and half Belgian. My name is Dominique Lavignier. Um, I am black and Puerto Rican. I'm originally from the Chicago area, and now I'm currently living in Bakersfield, California. You're listening to the Colors Podcast, and please keep listening. The voices you just heard were those of four young, multiracial, very intelligent journalists. I met them at the RTDNA conference this year in Minneapolis. It's the Radio Television Digital News Association conference. They have some very interesting things to say about race, and you're going to hear from them, all four of them, in an upcoming episode, coming soon. Meantime, those of you who've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, or at least for a very long time, know that it was born out of the death of George Floyd. And recently, as I just mentioned, I was in Minneapolis. I went to visit the location where George Floyd was killed. And while there, 
I had the honor of being accompanied by the U.S. coordinator at the Radio in the American Sector Berlin Commission. Her name is Pam Ortega. And while we were there, we were joined by many other people who were visiting the site, sort of in a way similar to a pilgrimage. We talked about it while we were there. This is the conversation we had. Uh, my name is Pam Ortega. I am Latina. My family's from Mexico. Um, and I was born and raised in Oklahoma. And I live in Oklahoma City. So, Pam, we're here in front of Unity Foods at the corner of 38th and Chicago Street in Minneapolis. This is the place where George Floyd died. It's literally five, six feet away from us, the spot where the police officer knelt on his neck until he died. And I want to know what your thoughts are as you sit here, just feet away from this, and look at this. Um, so, I think something that... I- I always think of when it comes to George Floyd um, are my parents and my parents are Mexican immigrants and when that video came out of George Floyd and what happened I, I saw something different in them so you know there'd been Trayvon, Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and everyone else and my parents had never thought about race in America or anything like that and when George Floyd happened my parents were um like they told me about it first. My mom was like, "Did you see what happened? Like, viste lo que le hicieron al pobre señor? Like, did you see what happened? Did you see what they did to him?" And then my dad was, you know, he was talking about George Floyd as well. And it was for me, it was like a turning point for them because you know, as like immigrants, there you're just you come to this country and you just focus, 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 and like you know, do better for yourself. And yeah. that was when I like to say, um, and unfortunately because of the situation I felt like I was like wow my parents are, are woke now like that's when they <laughs> that's when they understood that so as I, that's another reason I wanted to come because it, it really reminds me of of them um, specifically because it was, it was a turning point for them um, because I I mean I I think Trayvon Martin's death was when I was in in college yeah. um, and I was a journalism student so you know we were told to be um, objective, objective and, and yes, and there's <laughs> yeah. only two sides. There's two sides to the story, and I think uh, I think George Floyd was a turning point. I would say in journalism, where yeah. there's not two sides to that story. No. There was one side, and we visibly saw it. And I think that's what made the difference. So um, that's what I, I think about when like being here. I think it's such a yeah. So can, what what do you feel because you we walked over and we touched the spot where he died what do you what do you feel physically right now oh i don't know it's strange like because you hear about it and you you know you watch the video but being here it it feels different um yeah i mean because sorry go ahead because I and we were at our, the RTDNA conference this morning, and I don't know if you were at this. There was a session about um, race and how, yes, yes. Uh, you know, when when it first happened, there was such a big movement and there was so much coverage, and now it's there's not, and so I I feel like I'm sad in the sense that like we haven't done enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so crazy to me just touching that spot. There's just some kind of energy in that spot on the ground you know just touching it I mean this is three years and some change later 
but just touching it still some energy there and just looking at the number of people i mean people are coming through here flowing through here it's like a pilgrimage if you will to the spot and it's just made me think so many times about what could we have done to save this man's life because he was a fairly young man and he died here but since he died a lot of people have benefited from it i just hope that this doesn't go away the energy that was generated after his death what role does, does this play in your life in terms of moving forward uh, in dealing with this or potential situations where this could happen again? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think first and foremost it would be um, being an ally for the movement. Um, so like if I'm in a space giving the community the opportunity to, you know, to speak, to support them, um, if there's another protest, like being present, um, being there as an ally. And then I think beyond that as a, you know, decent human being, like being actively like aware and like, you know, showing like what's going on, being, um, like knowing what to do, like if I ever encounter something like that. And then I think professionally is um, pushing for that change and advocating for it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have the best answer there. So (laughs) how do you feel about the state of race in America now? I mean, as time has passed, yeah, there was the initial push to do something. Mm -hmm. And then... As we heard in that session we were talking about a little earlier today, people seem to kind of step back and kind of go their own way. How do you feel about the racial conversation in America now? I mean, I think it's gone... I think think there's been positive aspects within companies, like we had heard earlier of, you know, pushing... um, like diversity and pushing more like efforts and being more involved with the community but at the same time you know there's states particularly like my state where there's you know this push to like i'm from oklahoma so there's this push to ban these books that like um were so fundamental for our education um and then beyond that yeah like it's it's there's just such a push or even like these pushes to like end like DEI like you know efforts within companies and um I would even argue like you know the other one like affirmative action for like universities and colleges and uh I think there's yeah I think within within, like the political system there's definitely efforts to to change that but I think that's where um I'd say we need to have a lot of our older politicians retire and like you know get in get in the new the new people um but I also see it a little bit beyond like that because something else that I like I like to read a lot are like just books. So like um, Matthew Desmond has a really good book, you yes. know, about eviction and poverty by America, which I just yes. read recently. Yes. And um, I, for me, I see it like what are what are the other changes we can see within uh, within the different fields within housing, you know, mm-hmm. within healthcare, um, because I think that's also really important. Um, and I say this to say, so like I'm from South Oklahoma City, which is predominantly like Latino, very Mexican. It's like, we call it Little Mexico. Yeah. And right down the street from there, like from where my parents live, there's this new um, like housing development, these little townhouses that are like half a million dollars. And so it's raised um, 
property values. Right. It's also raised our property taxes. And it's like just the the early, I guess, the early effects of like gentrification, you know? And I yeah. think that's something else that, so when I think about race and like, how are we displacing people, you know? Um, and what can we do in that sense? My, um, my boyfriend's in medical school too. And so we uh-huh. always talk about that too, you know, like how can we provide like affordable more access, healthcare. affordable healthcare, yeah. you know, and like public health access to these like communities that always have the, you know, highest like mortality rates or, cholesterol or heart rates and like or maternal mortality which has been a big issue um so i think it's it's gonna be like looking at these other issues and how we can contribute to that i mean obviously i i'm an optimistic person so i like to see it and (laughs) and i saw i think uh the stat was like you know by 2040 the will be a majority like minority country where yeah it'll be the majority of the community of the population will be of of you know um a minority background yeah and so um i think it'll be it'll be different and i think it'll be exciting hopefully yeah um and i hope within the different fields like i said housing and healthcare and all these other fields we uh we make sure we include everyone yeah since we've been sitting here dozens of people have come through and they're bringing their children here mm-hmm. these are not black children they look to be caucasian children mm-hmm. And families that are bringing their children here to see this, and it's got to have an impact on them one way or the other. Just thinking about this thing and what we're seeing here today, all these people and kids coming through, what would you like to see done with this? Um, I think uh, just in the context of like what I see in my home state, I think immediately i think there should be more um education related to this and i think there should be less of trying to block that out um because i think that's so important i think there should be you know as part of education there should be groups of students tours that visit this you know this place and like learn about it um that would probably be the most like immediate educational thing and then i think just in general as decent human beings i think we should just be kind and more like active and more aware and um yeah cause i think and i and i like understand you know everybody's going through different things but i don't think it i don't think it requires that much to just be yeah. nice and kind to people that's yeah. all it it matters and just to be human mm-hmm. decent humans decent and i think that's a and i think that's something that you noticed right when with these movements and there's like the counter movements yeah. and and I understand they have an opinion, but at the same time, I'm like, you're a human first. Right. Which I, I love that about, like, so when I was in journalism school, we were taught um, the objective. You right. know, you're a journalist first. And I will say after um, what happened to George Floyd and, like, all the BLM protests, I saw this switch in the sense that, you know, I, I love looking at, like, journalist bios, like, on, I guess, not Twitter anymore, X. Um, and you know they put like human first right journalist second yeah and i think it's finally like because i'm in journalism school i was taught no you're a journalist first and you're objective and i think it's good that you are able to humanize that part like the human side of you you're allowed to um so i appreciate that so let me ask you this pam if you could say anything to the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the other movements that are out there that sprung up after this, 
What would you say to them? Oh, you're so cool. <laughs> we like, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think they, I think you're doing a great job. I think it's probably very exhausting and tiring because I feel like you're always, you know, fighting and fighting and, and combating, and I'm sure you get like burnt out. Um, but we appreciate it and let us know how we can help and when we we should step in um because i think that's so important i met um with the group that i work with we met uh Siobhan and newsom she's part of the yes. blm in greater new york right and uh we had a talk with her and it was amazing um she took us to a locally owned restaurant in the bronx um and we just had a very candid conversation about um you know, race and her movement and everything, everything they do. And, uh, she specifically, I'm from Oklahoma. So she mentioned, you know, when they went to, to Tulsa mm -hmm. to the Greenwood district and uh, black wall street. And so that was just really, really neat. And, um, I think, I think I'd say thank you, you know, for, for all the effort and the recognition you bring to the movement. And so back to the education point, um, you know, black wall street, I didn't learn about that until I was in, high school because I had to read a book I think about it in like the ninth grade I'm pretty sure that book is probably banned by now by our, our state government um but I do I do think there's because of all the work they and effort they've done I think there is definitely a movement um to bring more education and to be more aware but yeah I would I would thank them for for all the effort they've done because like I like to say I think they they make my parents more woke <laughs> So what are you going to tell your family and friends about this moment, about this time that you're spending here? What are you going to tell them about this experience? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'll probably tell them they need to come too. I think it's such a, such a good, it's, I think it's needed and important. Um, yeah, I would tell them to, if they have the opportunity to visit yeah. and to remember but also see what they can do within their lives to because i think that's part of being here it's not just like the remembering part but also walking away with like what do i do next yeah so to me this is like an accomplishment you know it's like a closure piece mm. it's like i've done something that helps me to take the next step so now the question is bye Nice to meet you. So now the next step is, okay, what is the next step? Mm -hmm. I mean, because I do this podcast and I've been doing it for several years. And, you know, I know that eventually people move on from things, but I don't have the option of doing that as a black man, definitely, because of what happened to George Floyd. But I don't want to move on from it. But I know that I need to do something positive. What do you, what do you say to me? When I say that, I want to do something positive. How, how can I, how can this program do something positive? Well, I think you're a journalist and through your podcast, I think you bring more awareness by having a variety of different voices, sharing their experiences and their um, feedback and what they think. So I think I would suggest keep doing that. Um, keep using your voice and your um, outlet as an opportunity to provide those different views because I think 
you do need a diversity of like sources mm-hmm. um, and you don't always get that and so I think the more people to reach the better um, and maybe I'd say partner with other organizations um, or other groups you know see how you can help and how your podcast can help um, yeah. the movement in a sense uh, because it's like I said this isn't a one-sided this is a two-sided story you're not going to get two sides to the issue of race there's yeah. there's one side and there's the problem with it and so I think being an outlet outlet for that is is helpful yeah mm-hmm. I think you're doing a great job well, well thank you I, <laughs> I didn't mean to solicit that kind of no I think it's response, good. But, but thank you though <laughs> so I've asked you a bunch of questions uh-huh. I'm just wondering do you have any questions or things that are on your mind or that you want to express that I didn't ask you about that you think are important oh um I can't think of anything in particular but I just I just I'm just very grateful you let me come hang out with you for context JJ and I were at the conference and he said he was going to come and I said can I join so um I really appreciate you letting a complete stranger join you to come here you know that to me is really the essence of this whole story you know, because George Floyd was a complete stranger to Derek Chauvin, to Tutal, and to all these other police officers that were kneeling and leaning on him that killed him. He was a stranger to them. I mean, to, for the most part, I mean, I think Chauvin had some history with him. He knew who he was, and maybe they'd had an encounter or something. But still, it wasn't like a familiar thing. But the more, the bigger part of the story, though, is the response to his death or his dying moments they were complete there were strangers Mm -hmm. who made this man's story there was this smart courageous wonderful young woman who actually was live streaming or recording this thing happening a stranger that made this work and i believe that all of these people that are here that have come through since we've been here probably have been strangers from different places Strangers all over the world saw this story. Strangers all over the world started to react. And I honestly think that strangers really are what makes the world go round. It's just what you said earlier about being a decent human being that makes it work, you know? No, I agree. It's all about being nice to everyone. I think that's just... Yeah. And knowing, like, right from wrong, you know? Like I said, this is... This is you see the video and you witnessed you know what happened yeah and so there's not two sides to that story there's one and it's what we saw and i think there's probably a group of people out there who will argue and i think they need to be decent human beings you know well pam thank you so much for doing this thank you so much for inviting me Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest. You're listening to Colors. My name is Robin Golden. I recently began listening to your Colors podcast. The episode with Katie Musselman hit home for me. I'm a Black woman living in the DMV, and nine years ago, I got remarried to a white man from central Pennsylvania. I knew he was conservative when we began dating. I'm a Democrat. We debated a lot of the issues from time to time. However, in 2016, when he began favoring Donald Trump, things began to become very uncomfortable. 
comfortable. To put it bluntly, there were four years of hell in our home. My husband loves me for sure, but I realized that he is a racist. Every conversation with him included whataboutisms. Um, white people are tired of hearing about race. I don't treat people badly by their skin color. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist terrorist organization and part of violent Antifa. Talking about race makes race relations worse. And the list goes on. How did I not see this? Did he change? Did I change? Also, one time we were briefly living in Pennsylvania. I was close to his parents. We talked often. Once 45 to took office that ceased. Their constant watching of Tucker Carlson, Fox and Friends, and listening to Rush Limbaugh pushed me away. I was an acceptable Negro to them because their son loved me, but they're racist. And as a result, we no longer communicate. I do love my husband. We are still together. We live in Rockville. We try not to bring politics up, but I realize that he is racist and I don't hold my tongue when I hear it coming out of his mouth. Um, there are many of us out here, so I see. Um, and like you said, sharing is important, mostly because it makes you know that you're not alone and that other families are in a similar situation. Thank you for your work. This is Colors. A dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments about colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. The second of three podcasts from Minneapolis, a seasoned TV news director takes a look back at the day George Floyd died. It was unbelievable. Gary Wordlaw is the news director at WNDU-TV in South Bend, Indiana. I mean, we, we have these terms that we use and 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 broadcast to try to describe the unbelievable. Tragic, unforeseen, horrible, horrific, you name it. I was stunned. I couldn't, as I watched the video, I couldn't understand how anybody could keep a knee on the neck of another human being with people standing around looking and the guy's obviously dying and yet someone thought that was okay. We talk about that and where the allies have gone since George Floyd's death. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. I want to thank you all. Anyone that's had anything to do with this program from the inception to this very present moment. I want to thank Machikaitis and Hillary Howard. I want to thank uh, Jesse Gallagher and Cosmic and Offshane for our music. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. And as I always say, just remember, keep talking to each other. And just as important... Keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.